Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by the Club Trillion Foundation, a foundation that I started for walk-ons, by walk-ons, Tate. We are giving a scholarship away at the 2020 Final Four in Atlanta. Please go to clubtrillionfoundation.org. See how you can help us. We need money. We need uh, uh, we need help from the walk-ons. We need everything. We need, we need everything. Have. If yes. you exist and you have a brain and you have uh, uh any sort of resource whatsoever in your life, there's probably a way for you to help us. Uh, we would love for you to help us out. Um, we want to we want to give a scholarship away to walk ons. That's a that's a great idea. Go go check that out for me. Um, it would really mean the world to me if you did that. We are also brought to you by a party we are having Sunday night. Sneaky, sneaky old Pete's. Uh, if you are listening to this podcast. It is Sunday um, tonight in Minneapolis. We have not lost our voices yet. No. I know that We're, I am on the verge of losing my voice, but it, that is a good thing. I'm like this close to losing. I it. can feel my voice being lost. Um, but yeah, you've never seen two guys drink more teas with honey and lemon <laughs> and whatever you have to have it, whatever organic ingredient to keep us alive. Oh my that's god. Where we're at. If, if you're listening to this and you're still in Minnesota and you want to see us, uh, come out to Sneaky Pete's tonight. We have been told it was a strip club. We have been told it's not a strip club. We've been told it's kind of a strip club. So it's somewhere on that spectrum. Um, don't We've also your- learned a lot that... It's all lies. Whatever you've been, whatever, been told, experience it. We're also Don't told, listen to people. Yeah, we were also told Minnesota, it was going to be beautiful in Minnesota. So who the hell knows what any of this is? Uh, we've also been told that I love Minnesota. Yeah. I've changed. <laughs> I've gone on the other side of this. A lot of Minnesotans have been, Minnesotans have been very upset with me. So um, uh, I'm enjoying Minnesota at this point. We are also brought to you by a little song by an artist named Drake. And it mm. goes like this, Tate, God's plan. Mm. That's uh that is that is how it goes. Are you familiar with the song? Yes. Uh it is the mantra that I am giving to the Virginia Cavaliers, who, by an act of God, have advanced to the national championship by multiple acts of gods, if we're being honest. Uh have Auburn have, fans would say God is spelled R-E-F. <laughs> yes. Virginia is moving on. Texas Tech is moving on. This is the national championship that every casual basketball fan was dreading. America's biggest nightmare is happening. We are getting an over-under of 69 points. Uh, it is happening, Tate. You and I couldn't be more excited. This is this is a matchup made for mm. you and I and literally nobody else in this country. And who cares? Screw the haters. We're getting what we want. We're going to talk about all these final four games. We're going to talk about our out- outrageous involvement in the in the college slam dunk contest. We'll talk about that at the end. A uh, little three on three action. You guys that have been following the podcast know that we do the three on three thing every year. So we're going to throw those thoughts on the end. But we have to talk about these final four games that we just got done watching. We are going to get to it. But first, bet the under. <laughs> he takes the timeout. All right, as we said, we are in Minneapolis. We are coming to you from my hotel room uh, somewhere in the great state of Minnesota. I have no idea where we're Very professional setting for us. Yes. This is not Um, quite like John Rothstein's room where we have, you know, like... Uh, Basquiat paintings right. in the background and antique you know, carved wood <laughs> furniture like everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. like Victorian literature lined up against the wall. Right. You know, it's like a whole thing. But uh, we're happy to be here. We're enjoying Minnesota so far. So uh, um, a lot of good games. We just want to mention off the top, if if you does sound like we're losing our voice, if our voices crack, we are we are participating. In it this. is not a bit. We are no. actually losing our voices. We have been uh, doing this three x three U thing. We're going to talk about that at the end. Uh, we we want to get to the final four games. We just want to say at the top. 
uh, our voices are probably going to crack. We, mm-hmm. we are losing our voices. We've been here just basically yelling and screaming and talking to people. It has uh, nothing to do with me hitting puberty. It has yes. to do with me losing my voice. So that's that. That's the disclaimer out of the way. Uh, it is now time to talk about these games that we just witnessed, Tate. Do you want to start with the obvious game, Virginia and Auburn? Or do you want to just talk about Michigan State, Texas Tech, and the Matt Mooney show? And that was basically it. And then move on. No, let's start with Virginia and Auburn. Start with the, okay. Let's start with the big big story because in in the world of newspaper headlines, it's a pyramid, the inverted pyramid. Right. So we're going to start with something that matters the most. Okay. So we're going to start with Virginia, uh, the V and the inverted, of course. And we have to talk about the fact that no matter what you may say about this podcast, One Shining Podcast, teed up, the whole college basketball experience, there has been a lot of vitriol and a lot of hatred that's been thrown out at Charlottesville, Virginia. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of things that have been said about... You're not talking... Oh, okay. Yeah. A man by the name of Tony Bennett. Yes. There's been a lot of things that have been said about uh, a defense called the Peck Line defense, mm-hmm. right? There's been a lot of things that have been said about a guy by the name of Kyle Guy. Mm-hmm. And tonight, the cojones were on the line, and the man... Say what you will. Say that he threw his feet and kicked his feet out and got a foul. Don't say that. Say that... He did not deserve to take these three free throws. Say that Ty Jerome double dribbled. Say you what you will. Say that. <laughs> but at the end of the day, Kyle Guy had to step to that free throw line. That charity stripe. This is a great point. Yes. And there is no charity in this stripe tonight. Three free throws had to be made. They were down 62-60. The man made all three. Point six was on the clock. And Virginia and the Cavaliers and the Wahoos are going doing to it. the national championship game. And, 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 and whatever whatever sort of reality you may live in, God's plan. God's plan. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I feel like we should have talked about the double dribble or the, the foul call first, but uh, we are a Kyle guy podcast. We, yes. we have made this known for years. We have years. dedicated this segment to Multiple years we've been a Kyle <laughs> yes. guy podcast. So we, we should probably, as a podcast, acknowledge the cojones on Kyle guy to just calmly step up um, that's getting lost in all the controversy. And we're going to talk about the controversy. Down by two, mm. three free throws, basically at the buzzer. And he hits all three. Insane. That's our guy. And all it took was when he made the first one. We looked at each other and we yeah, said, exactly. Because you know what it is. I mean, you make the first one, there's that mental hurdle that you Dude. get over. Because there's the adrenaline that comes in. If you have adrenaline in your body, you're going to shoot it long at right. worst, right? You miss the first one long. He makes the first one and we say, yeah, this man, he's, he's ready. He's the Second next one. one's easy. Okay, yeah. swish. And he kn- third one, a little bit of pressure comes back in the system, does it again, and it was. As this easy is this is. I want to make two, a point. Uh, this is how you can tell who's played basketball in their lives and who are just like who are the nerds on the internet because <laughs> the people that like pretend as though free throws are just like the people shooting free throws are just robots, and you say, mm. "Well, that's not true, Tate, because Kyle Guy hit his first doesn't mean that's a gambler's fallacy." If he hits his first, he still has an 81% chance of making a second because he's an 81. That's bullshit. That tells me you've never played basketball. The first one is the hardest one to make in that mm-hmm. situation. You hit the first one, you're good. All the pressure is because relieved. We know you have you, the stroke. What yes. do you do in your head? Mark Titus, you played at Division One level, so, I, so I'll give it to you because me, I've never played basketball in my life, according to the internet. Uh, so yeah. so well, the first thing you no. do, you play the adrenaline game in your head. Listen. You say, I'm going to go long here, so I'm going to shorter on this a little bit. So you right. may be even short because and you're already playing the game. It. Yes, and then you're worried. You're like, fuck, I, I know I'm going to shoot it long, so I'm going to pull back. <laughs> exactly. But now I know I'm going to pull back, so I'm going <laughs> to shoot long. Dude, I, I was in the exact same situation Kyle Guy was in. One game I was playing, um, I went in and, and when I was at Ohio State, and I got fouled, and I had the opportunity to set a Value City Arena record, scoring record, if mm. I made my two free throws. It's pretty much the exact same situation True as playing in the final. 
<laughs> exact same situation. Um, you step up to the line. You're like, if I make these two free throws, we set a record. And if I don't, we don't. Um, and yeah, it was it was the exact same. And I had the exact same thought process. It's like, okay, definitely do not. I have a little adrenaline going. I'm going to shoot along. But then also don't leave it short. You know what? I'm just going to try to make it. That's that's the only thing you can do. So we're getting the crux of this game. So mm-hmm. this is the end of the game. This is a 63-62 type of situation. Let's walk it back a little bit. Let's go to the first half of this game. So we got Auburn, Virginia. We got Burn Orange and mm-hmm. Navy versus Orange and Navy. Right. So the crowd, no one knows, knows what the crowd is. Was. People are looking around. They're not really sure who's pulling for who. Um, based on, I guess... Depending on how drunk you are, I guess right. the, the more drunk you get, the more knee braided you get, you could point out maybe possibly that's a Virginia fan, that's an Auburn fan, depending on. Because yeah. I saw a video of well, a guy. You, you know how you can who, tell <laughs> is, is, uh, if they're wearing khakis or if they got the the button up on and they're Virginia fan. Yeah, that's the funnest part. Uh, well, do, that's the South. I doing mean, this doing this three on three thing, um, people people walk up to us to like, like they're, they're in the Mall of America and they'll come up and, and want to say hello. And as, as they're approaching – you can always spot the Virginia fans, even if they're not wearing Virginia anything. And then they, they walk up and then uh, I shake their hand and I'm like, you guys, you guys from here? And I know what they're going to say. And they're like, no. And then I'm like, let me guess, Virginia fan. And they're like, yes. How did yeah. you know? And I was it's like, a, because your outfit costs it's a $600. Wing, it's a give the card and they give you like a quick, like $20 bill. Yes. They're like, how did that happen? Like, how did I get $20 richer? This whole game from the offset, from the jump, from the tip, whatever you want to say, it was basically... We were trying to figure out. They were both trying to fill each other out. And mm-hmm. I will say this. Bruce Pro did a great job coaching this game in the first half. They had a lot of, uh, of sets. And one of the examples that I said to you, Samir Dowdy goes on this whole thing. And, and he has a nice, nice little back screen set and a nice little back cut. And he has a little pass. He doesn't make it. But he looks over to the bench, Bruce Pro. He has a little. One of our favorite things we always do is my bad. Tap mm-hmm. the chest. And I said to you, that's a bad sign for Virginia. Even though it was a good half for Virginia. Technically. It was a bad sign because Auburn would improve in the second half. They were going to make a run. Bruce Pearl, who is a very, very good basketball coach, despite what you may have heard on this podcast about us. Oh, we never questioned his basketball coaching abilities. We never questioned basketball IQ. Never questioned anything about Bruce Pearl as a coach. That play that he did, the way that he was setting things up against his pack line defense, it was, what what do they say in the game? Textbook. It was all set up. And so you see something like that and you say, they've only made three threes in the first half. That was what was crazy to me is they took the lead at halftime. It was a very slow game. It was Virginia's tempo. Auburn was not making threes and they were still leading. Mm-hmm. How? How sway? <laughs> <laughs> um, Ty Jerome, though, was keeping the ship afloat. Mm-hmm. Ty Jerome was incredible in this game. I had multiple people text me uh, asking me about Ty Jerome because they they just haven't followed college basketball season. Like this is the first time they're tuning in. Multiple friends of mine, which I guess I should get new friends if you have if you don't know who Ty Jerome is at this point. But uh they were they, they were trying to fill it out. They're like, this guy feels like an NBA player, but he doesn't look like an NBA player. Like, give me give me what you know about Ty Jerome. And I was trying to hit everyone back. And then at a certain point, I just started copying and pasting the same thing I'm sending to everybody else. Um, he was incredible for Virginia all night. He was uh, uh, that was the reason the, the the Virginia lost their lead. I mean, should we should we, we should talk about the end. We've we've kind of made it this far without addressing the elephant in the room, um, which is the double dribble. I think I think you and I both agree. What before we get to the double dribble, I have to say. The fourth foul for Ty Jerome. So we're mm-hmm. we're we're gonna get up ten in this game. Ty Jerome takes, I think it was a baseline drive at one point. He goes down, takes a baseline drive, gets no call. Virginia's up, I think nine or ten or eleven at this point in this game. It was ten, I think. I think yeah. it was ten. So he goes down, and he goes to the baseline, goes up, gets no call. So he looks at the official. He's upset. 
you know how it is in basketball. Mm. You go down and get hit hard. Sir, I disagree. And of course, you know, you're you're playing the game at that point. And it was like, well, maybe the officials are trying to keep Auburn in the game. Yeah. That's what it is. It's just in a fan's perspective from that. Ty Jerome's perspective is like, why well, am I not going to get this call? So he goes up, doesn't get the call. He's arguing or giving the look. He goes and gets a dumb foul right after that. The classic, I didn't get this. It's like when you go back to preschool or elementary mm. school, whatever it may be. It is not the first person that hits you. It's the reaction right. to that. Right. That's who gets called. So Ty Jerome gets the foul, gets the fourth foul. Tony pulls him out. He has a nice little chat like, Ty, you know, lock it up. We're in the, we're in the national semifinal. Mm-hmm. You know what it is. Ty goes on the bench, and then here we go. Here comes the Auburn's run. Auburn's making the run. We're, we get to the point where we're in a 9-0 run. And 11-0 run. 14-0 run. <laughs> exactly. So the wheels <laughs> oh, are falling boy. off, and we're getting here. And then Virginia's struggling to find the basket. Basically struggling to find any sort of offense mm-hmm. at this point. And here comes Auburn. Bryce Brown's hitting a three. Kyle Guy's right there in his face. Right. Doesn't get a hand up. It goes up. Goes in. And from that point on, it's like, oh, my goodness. Here we the go tide again. is turning. Yeah. And not to throw that in Auburn's face, say anything about the tide, but the tide is turning in the favor of Auburn at that right. point. Ty Jerome is out of the game. And he had been sort of the spoon that stirs the tea. Oh, as Kyle Montgomery would say. As Kyle Montgomery would say. We've been on the three-on-three yeah. thing. So I'm basically just throwing idioms out the world. <laughs> And this idiot right here was thinking, my goodness, here comes Auburn. Right. And here As we, we are. are. Exactly. And then, and then Kyle Guy said, wait, guys, what about me? Um, so, yeah, let's break down the, the controversial calls uh, because we, we are obviously biased. I think we, we both were very much cheering for Virginia. Um, we've made it clear that we're a Kyle. We love Kyle Guy. We love the story of Virginia. I, I'm literally uh, talking about how I want to be on the parade float and singing God's plan. Like, I'm not going to now pretend like – I didn't want Virginia to win this game or I'm some sort of neutral fan. Um, So take this with a grain of salt, whatever our opinions are. Uh, A grain of jack salt. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Um, Let's start with the double dribble. That that was the one that like started it off uh, where, where Ty Jerome, uh, Auburn has fouls to give. So at the end of the game, they start fouling four fouls at the time. Right. Uh, so Ty, they, they foul Virginia now has to take the ball out of bounds. Ty Jerome knows this, that he's going to get fouled. So he's trying to like, just quickly get the ball up the floor before they can foul him. And he can get like close enough to, it looked like he tried to do the move where as he's fouled, he's throwing up the half court shot mm-hmm. in hopes of, of getting three, uh, free throws. Um, so he goes, he tries to dribble behind his back, hits it off his heel, picks the ball up. Doesn't even think about it. Like doesn't even look around. And I think this is the key to why the double dribble was not called. I really truly believe this. I'm not even trying to make a joke. I think Play he, cool. he was so confident that he could dribble again that the rest were like, shit, he looks like he knows what he's doing. It was like the equivalent of a guy. I mean, this is us. We're wearing tuxedos at the Final Four. This is the equivalent of us wearing tuxedos and just walking into anywhere we want to go. And the guy's like, I don't know if he's supposed to be here, but he looks like he knows he should be here. I'm going to let him in. And you don't even question it. That was Ty Jerome. Uh, so that that was the big controversy. I mean, we, we'll talk about the foul in a second on Kyle Guy. Um I'll be honest, 100% honest. This is not because I wanted Virginia to win or anything like that. I, I I caught it in the moment. Like when he picked the ball up and dribbled, I thought that was interesting. Um, but I, I truly did not think it was double dribble because I thought he had clearly lost possession of it and then picked it back up and regained possession. So in my mind, I thought that was an okay play. It just looked like really awkward. Um, but I also say that to say, I don't know if that's actually the rule. Like it still might be double dribble. Um, I'm not saying that it shouldn't have been called. I'm just saying as I was watching it, it didn't register like, oh shit, that they missed that call. It was more of like, um, 
I don't know. It was that that was a weird play, and that was all I thought about it. But it might it probably was double dribble. And honestly. I will say the double dribble rule in general is a very archaic rule because just think about the name of it. We'll do we'll do it from that basis. The double dribble was designed off something literally someone dribbling with two hands like a Neanderthal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Bouncing the ball around and holding the ball up and then doing it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're that far away from what the terminology yeah, then, is versus and, what the reality of it and, is. And then Bob Cousy invented the one-handed dribble. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, this will be, this will be, this will be through that ball between his legs and Red back threw over his back, <laughs> passed out. Couldn't believe that it happened. Um, so that's what we're dealing with. You know Holy what I mean? shit, Pete. Calm down there, buddy. Yeah, my goodness, Pete. Um, so th- that is sort of where we are as far as the rule. You can look it up in a million different places. I was going through the NCAA rule book of what is technically a double dribble. I think in the heat of the moment, and granted, there's a lot of conversation about what it may be. But in the heat of the moment, I believe that the official, the way that Ty reacted so quickly, I, I, genuinely, dribbling, I genuinely believe that's the reason they didn't call it. He I thought think, that it was either off the foot of someone at Auburn, right? Or the Harper, whoever's picking up Ty Jerome full court. Yeah. He thought, like the way that Ty was so quickly to go back, because as a basketball player, you have that hesitation in your mind where you say, oh, wait a second, I need to make a pass right. so that I don't have a double dribble. Because Greg exactly. Oden is sitting with us, and he said, if I had had that happen to me, immediately i pick the ball up, hold it, and pass it. Right. You look around, or like a guy in that situation looks around for like a half second and then is like, I'm, you know what, I'm going to try it, and I'm going to dribble it. Or you get like the, the Chris Webber thing before the travel, uh, the travel yes. where he looked to pass, and he's like, ah, oh, and not then, there, and then, and and then, then, he, then he dribbled. If it would have looked like that, they definitely would have called it. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in my mind. The only reason they didn't call it is because he was so confident. Um, I think we should also mention that he was. I think he was fat. He was Auburn was trying to foul him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you see the pictures that are circulating around, like all the Virginia fans that are trying to stick up for the the bad call. You're showing the the guy grabbing a Jerome's jersey, um, saying, "What about the foul that wasn't called?" I think Auburn actually was trying to foul, but I also think like that wasn't that egregious of a missed call because he, he got like two fingers on his jersey. Like, you know, like you, I don't know. They could have made the call because Auburn wanted the call to be made. They were trying to foul him pretty obviously, but uh, I don't think that... And obviously, Ty Jerome, by going and pulling the ball behind his back, is trying to avoid the foul. Exactly. So therefore, we're on both sides of this where, yes, Auburn was trying to foul him, but also Ty Jerome was trying to avoid the foul by doing what he was doing with the basketball. Here's an idea. Um, can we bring the intentional foul back? Like, what happened to that? Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of do hate all these end-of-game situations where guys... like just the whole mind game of because this happens a lot in other games where guys have four fouls and refs think that the other team is trying to foul to stop the clock but they're they are kind of trying to foul but they're not ready to fully go all in yet and then a guy with four fouls will get called for a ticky tack thing because the refs think they're doing you a favor but Mm -hmm. now you just fouled out the best player like these sorts of situations pop up and the only the only way to fix this stuff um i'm not i'm not saying fix the double dribble thing i'm saying like these questionable like are you trying to foul you not whatever it's just like get rid of the intentional fouls. You can't intentionally foul a guy anymore. You have to actually be trying to make a play on the ball. And if it's very clear that you're just hacking a guy's arms to stop the clock or have some sort of gamesmanship, why can't we bring the intentional foul back? I don't know. Just a thought. And just how, a suggestion. how do we get to the point in this game where Virginia, who is also trying, who is down in this game, who is fouling Auburn at a certain point, they have four fouls. Auburn has four right. fouls. We have we have basically foul no game, fouls in this game. We're not even getting under twelve timeouts, well, under eight timeouts, under saying. four timeouts. Everybody hates the foul game. There's not a, there's no mm. one alive that's like, ooh, yes. There's so, two so minutes left. Here comes all the fouling. Is, yeah. is the whole argument. Um, but I will say, I will admit that uh, the it, it, it was definitely like if someone shows me the rule book and says this was double dribble 100%, then like I'm I'm fine with admitting because it, it probably was double dribble. I'm mm. just saying as I was watching it live, technically. 
Yeah. As I was watching it live, I thought he to me, he lost possession. He picked it up and he just started a new possession. Um, but again, I, I'm more than happy to admit that that is bullshit and that's not actually the rule. So, And it's one thing to say, like, Ty Jerome, yes, of course, that could be a double dribble in that moment. This guy had been carrying Virginia the entire night. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there had been right. so many big moments where we were talking about the Virginia offense. Ty Jerome can set things up for everybody else. But he also, as the shot clock ticks down in this game, not afraid to take a runner, hit yeah. a runner for this team. And he had been making everything happen in general for Virginia for this entire game, going through the entire first half, getting into the second half. So, I do Obviously, think though, this is a very small, finite moment to pick out in a game that was so widespread of so many different moments that made it. An but but I do think the fact that Auburn was trying to foul kind of does make it come out in the wash because if if Ty Jerome doesn't dribble off his foot and he kind of completes the behind the back thing, then Auburn fans are mad that the foul wasn't called because they're like, we clearly fouled him mm-hmm. and you didn't call the foul. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he does dribble off. So it's this whole thing of the, it's a the Ty goes runner situation. Yeah. So to me, it's like. It all kind of comes out in the wash, but um, it, that isolated clip, he probably did double dribble. It should have been called. Um, I'm not going to defend that. But if we want to get to the foul, the Kyle, the foul on Kyle guy. But first, the Kyle guy three that he hit before that. Yes. Talk about, let's talk about this. Because that is a great play where Virginia has a set play for Kyle guy to take that three in the corner. Mm-hmm. And Kyle guy, one of the things we said to each other, we were walking to a bar uh, right here in Minneapolis. Um, as we were, we were, we were breaking down the first half, just, you know, back and forth talking about, we've been watching so many basketball games, <laughs> yeah. obviously the three on three games, but we've been watching so many games talking about them as we've been going throughout the day. And we were talking to each other about what is going on with Kyle guy. He is rushing. He is pressing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we were hoping that Tony would say something to him at halftime and Kyle, take a deep breath. Just because you catch the ball and you have a a, a shimmer of uh, like a little sign to shoot the ball does not mean you have to shoot right. it. And in that situation, he he gets a little bit of light and he takes a pretty contested shot in the corner for three. We well, kind of had to. There was like no and time he had left. To. It was they're like six point seven. They're seconds. down four. They scored five points in six seconds, pretty much. Yeah. That's what it was. Or six points. They scored six points. He hit, five he, seconds. He hit the three and then Sorry, hit that three was free throws. The moment. Yeah. Six points in five seconds. Uh, it was pretty clear that that DeAndre Hunter was a point of emphasis at the halftime speech. Yes. Um, we, were, we were talking about First this. First four possessions. Are we any closer to solving the riddle of who the most important player on Virginia is, who's the best player, who is the face of the um, – because I, I, I kind of like – it. Kind of, I kind of had the epiphany tonight that Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter have to play well for mm-hmm. Virginia. Kyle Guy doesn't necessarily have to. Well, Kyle Guy plays better defense than he gets credit for. I'll start there. Mm-hmm. Um, he he kind of has a reputation as just a guy who shoots threes, and that's all he can do. He's better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can also like make plays at the rim and and finish layups and stuff like. That. He's not just like a knockdown. Virginia did a great shooter, job but, of blocks. They only um, had five blocks a zero. Did, yeah, early yeah. in the second half, and a big block at the end of the half. Um, but uh, uh, I don't think Virginia needs Kyle Guy to to hit six threes mm-hmm. every game to to be a to be a good team i think they do need ty jerome to play well he doesn't have to score a ton just he has to be in total control of the offense doing his point guard thing uh and i think they need an engaged deandre hunter um and in the first half ty jerome was playing well kyle guy was not shooting particularly well deandre hunter was kind of we were getting bad passive deandre hunter uh so halftime it was pretty clear tony bennett was like let's get the ball to deandre hunter what if our best player started shooting more um and then to your point, like Kyle Guy was curling off these screens and instead of shooting, he was open, but you know what was more open? Uh, dishing it off to the DeAndre Hunter who just set the screen for you, rolling to the basket and letting him uh, get involved here. 
Um, so that was that was pretty cool to see that that DeAndre Hunter got going. Uh, I don't know, man. The, the the foul though in the corner to me that was a hundred percent a foul, right? On Kyle Guy at the end, like I I don't I don't understand how this was even kind of a controversy. Like it, it, it again, I think I think what happened for neutral fans is you just feel cheated as to how that no one ever envisions like free throws winning a game. Like that's not mm-hmm. how you picture huge shots. So I don't think people were necessarily wanted Virginia win. I'm sure there were a lot of people that wanted Virginia win because they hate their style of play. They want to see the one seed lose. They're cheering for Auburn. They're five seed. Whatever, whatever. Um, but I think a lot of it is just like when you, when you have these moments, you want the shot to go in or the shot to not to go in, and that's the final decisive thing. There's an obvious dichotomy. The ball goes in, Virginia wins. The ball does not go in, Auburn wins. This one, the ball did not go in, but then Virginia gets the three free throws, and it's like, wait, what? This is confusing. I don't like this situation. It just felt weird. It felt like a cheap way to end the game. But every replay I saw, I mean, the guy, he got hip-checked in the air. Um, I don't even think it's even kind of a controversy. That's a million times out of a million a foul. And that's not even Virginia bias. That's just like, I, I, I don't understand how this is even sort of a controversy. And unfortunately for Samir Dowdy, I mean, he jumped before Cal Guy even took off to take the shot because of an, uh, he had the innate response to the situation to go up to contest the shot. Right. And that is something that if you play basketball however many times in your life, you have this, okay, some guy's taking a shot in the corner. I'm going to go up and contest not knowing time and situation. Right. So naturally he goes up and jumps. And as soon, I mean, in the slow-mo replay, you can see it. He goes up, he jumps, he's in the air. He pulls his hand back. Right. His hands like, were back. Both hands were back. But the, because, that, because in his mind, he's thinking, then it clicks in. It's that one hesit- It's that one moment where he says to himself, time, place, situation. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Exactly. As he's floating in the air. And, and he pulls oh, no. himself back, but he's already there. Yeah. He's already in the air. And he hits Kyle Guy as soon as he goes up. And Kyle Guy has been pump faking all night. To get guys to go up, and instead there we're we're in a situation where time is right. not of the essence at all, and he's going straight up, and Samir Dowdy hits him, and it's it's honestly of all things to happen, as far as Virginia, as far as Auburn, as far as the Bruce Pearl, the Tony Bennett, of all in all the the karma of all the world mm. for that to be something mm. that plays out. God's plan, baby. It was very, very, very <laughs> enlightening to say yeah. the least. And for Kyle Guy to not only draw the foul, and it's one thing to draw the foul. We've seen plenty of guys draw fouls, but to go and step to the free throw line. And I will say this in the words of Rasheed Wallace, ball don't lie. That is true. Ball the don't ball. lie. I, uh, so I'm not saying Kyle Guy doesn't kick out his legs every so often, but I, I didn't even think that was happening on that play. He, no. he, he didn't kick his legs out, and I didn't think. Again, I'm I'm trying my best to be. You, you know, you can call me the Virginia Homer, whatever. Um, that's fair. But uh, I felt I, bad I for felt, I felt bad for Dowdy because he had had yeah. such a good game, and I was pointing out in the first half that the the guy is thanking the game. And it like wasn't... He, he's, he's tapping his chest and saying, my bad to the coach when they, they don't run our set play the right way. But I think uh, in, in Dowdy's defense, like the, the reason I feel so bad for him is I don't think this was a mental mistake mm-hmm. to foul Kyle Guy. Like it, it, it was a natural reaction. It was like a natural reaction. It was almost a good play mm-hmm. by by one half of one inch. It, it was almost a good play. Um, he knew like to pull his hands back. Like yes. He's like, I'm gonna, I don't want to foul him. Like so, all this stuff was going through his mind, Which, and that almost makes it more frustrating because he's like, "Definitely don't foul him. Definitely don't foul him. Fuck, I fouled him." But it goes back to what you were saying about Ty Jerome and the double dribble. Yeah, because 
Sometimes when you show your hand, the referees make a call. Oh, like like pulling his hands back. Pulling he's like, shit, hands, I fouled him. I mean, not not to say that like that's the difference in getting the foul yeah. called, but like Ty Jerome having no hesitation yeah. and to continue to go with the play. Right. That that does not tip his hat to the fact that a call should be made. Yeah. And when you go up and you jump up and you pull your hands back as yeah. if to say, I'm not going to foul this guy, sometimes the whistle gets blown. Again, natural reaction from a referee, and then it's a natural reaction for a player. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing too with Dowdy, he by pulling his hands back, I, th- I think as a viewer you're frustrated as well because when you see, I mean, in all the basketball we've watched in our lives, when you see a foul called on a jump shooter, ninety five percent of the time it's because the guy hit the shooter on the elbow mm-hmm. with his hand or mm-hmm. he slept, you know, um, and the idea that there was a foul on a jump shooter where their hips touched is just kind of an awkward thing that is not something you see all the time. But again, I, I just can't, I mean, I, I can't see it any other way. I've tried thinking about it differently. And I just, I, I mean, that's a foul. You have to call that. Um, I think if you don't call it, Virginia fans are really, really shitty. But uh, I don't know. I kind of get that part too, that like, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's one of those plays where no matter what happens, whatever fan base doesn't get the call their way, they're going to be shitty about it. But I, I, I don't see it. I don't see a world in which that's not a foul. I it's, don't know. The way that I look at it, it's not one of those things where they were down three points and Kyle Guy hit a three and then got the foul called and he made right. the free throw to win the game. Right. And he gets the extra free throw. And that's the that's the bonus to it. He was down two points. He took a three-pointer. He was hit in the air while taking said three-pointer. And then he was then had to go to the three the, the free throw line and make the free throws. He had to earn the free throw. You know what's funny is as Kyle Guy was going to the free throw line, I saw on Twitter people saying, uh, this is a brutal way to lose. I can't believe like they just kept saying that. And I didn't know who they were talking about, which mm-hmm. team. And that's interesting to me because uh that's two games in a row now that Virginia's had where you just reach a point in the game where you're like, fuck, dude, whoever loses this, I feel so, so bad for their fans. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even matter at this point because with with the 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 Purdue Virginia game, it was like Carson Edwards definitely deserves just that man alone, what he's doing. He deserves to be in the final four. Most outstanding player of the region. But at the same time, Virginia definitely deserves to win this game because I thought Virginia outplayed Purdue that whole game. It was just Carson Edwards was superhuman. Um, So I was like, shit, dude, one of these teams has to lose. That's heartbreaking. Same thing tonight where, I mean, Auburn was cool. Like Auburn, quote unquote, deserved to win because the double dribble wasn't called, all that kind of stuff. But you still like your your gut was just like hurting so bad for Virginia to be up by 10. And then Ty Jerome goes out and the the wheels fall off. And I know it's happening in the final four. So it's not the sting doesn't hurt as much because Tony got over the hump and all that kind of stuff. But it's still the familiar feeling of like. Fuck, dude, we had the game one in the in March Madness and we let it slip away yet again. This is what how does this keep happening to us? Oh my God. And then Virginia, Kyle Guy gets fouled. Obviously, the way Auburn lost is like absolutely devastating. I do feel bad. Auburn was a fun team. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've met a lot of Auburn fans uh here in Minneapolis, and all of them are like, dude, why do you hate Bruce Pearl so much? And why do you hate our team so much? And I'm mm-hmm. like, listen, whatever, whatever my thoughts on Bruce Pearl's side, like. They were a fun team. They were a deserving team. They were a ton of fun to watch. Like they were, they were kind of like a perfect Cinderella to me in the in the sense that they they were sort of lucky to win their first round game, but lucky in like a fun, good way. And let's be honest, they had a situation yeah. where they had a foul at the end of that game. Good point, dude. Yeah, I forgot about that. Fouled a three point shooter exactly, and they missed the free throws. New Mexico State did. Yes, um, and then even had another. Yeah. They had a three in the same corner, exactly, the exact same corner that Kyle Guy got yes. fouled in. New Mexico State had a three yes. and airballed it at the buzzer. Um, 
But no, like Auburn was a fun. Cin- they were good. They were the kind of Cinderella I like in the sense that that uh, they were still like a really really good team. This wasn't like a fluke that they were doing this. Um, it was cool to watch. They had they had the story with Okiki. And, uh, and we hate the fact that if you have Chuma in this game, who knows what the difference is? Obviously, right. we can't say right for for sure that Chuma. I mean. Obviously, there you could argue like analytics and you could play it all out in simulations, right. but we live in the real world or whatever simulation this may be. Because <laughs> at this point, I'm surprised at the fact that Texas Tech. I mean, and yeah, Virginia, we do have Texas Tech, Virginia. I mean, that is I some sort of. That, I don't know what that is. I don't know if we created this or concocted this, but something's going on. But obviously, losing Chuma in that game, and I was watching that game from the other side as a fan, and I hated seeing that for this yeah. Auburn team because. When we talked about Bruce Pearl, and I know a lot of people like the Auburn fans that you said have come up to us and talked about, you know, you you don't like our team. No, we that's love not your true. team. We we like your team a lot. Jared Harper yeah. is a one man fast break. Jared, I've never seen yeah. someone other than maybe Johnny Flynn, Ty Lawson, yeah, beat people down the floor and lay it in with such ease, yeah, and shock Diakite right. and guys of, of of that ilk who were at the basket to say, my goodness, I had no chance to block that. Yeah, You know what I mean? And that's what this Auburn team was able to do. And they didn't even shoot like they'd been able to shoot because they're playing in a dome. That was and they were was, still able to compete. That was what was wild to me. All the all the people I was talking to uh, that we're running into here in Minnesota asking me how I see the Auburn-Virginia game. Check it out. A lot of confident Virginia fans. They're like, mm-hmm. I think we got this. And, I, and the one thing I kept saying was like, I think Virginia might be in trouble if Auburn is raining threes. I mean, that's Auburn is a three-point shooting team. They have been all season. We know this. I thought that was the only way Auburn could win. Auburn had to make at least 10 threes to win. Um, and I'm not just saying that because it's convenient that they made nine tonight. But uh, more to the point, they were nine for 31 from the three-point line. And the fact that they kind of had the game won is incredible to me. Because if you would have told me Auburn was going to go nine for 31 against Virginia from the three-point line, I would say Virginia wins by at least 12. And I think we're going to keep pointing out the fact that we talk about the pack line defense of Virginia. What Bruce Pearl and that Auburn defense did to Virginia in the first yes. half? was unbelievable. I mean, we, we had Ty Jerome shooting a half-court shot when the, t- the shot clock was running out at one yes. point. You know what I mean? Like, they did a great job stifling them because Ty Jerome's getting picked up sometimes full court. Yeah. Sometimes he wasn't. Sometimes they put Clark in, and they wouldn't do that because they had another ball handler. Mm-hmm. But when Clark wasn't out there, they would pick him up. Like, they were they were doing great. Like, that's what we're talking about. Say whatever you want about Bruce Pearl, the person. Bruce Pearl, the coach. And I have. <laughs> had, a great, had a great game plan for this Virginia team. And it was a it was a great game, regardless yeah. of the threes that were made, the shots that were made, whatever. It was gamesmanship across the board. It was great coaching. Yeah. And guys had to make plays in crunch time. And Ty Jerome was one of those guys that made plays. Yeah. And I I mean, obviously the foul was tough when he got his fourth foul and went out, and that's when Auburn made the run. But Virginia, whatever you may say about destiny and God's uh, plan, baby. Momentum and God's karma, plan. whatever you want to say. The Clark, the the pass that Clark made, Diagite, is something special. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't care who you are. That's something that's different. I mean, it's like Chris Jenkins in that shot. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it's of a different world. It's of a different moment. It's of a different time. It's a different space. When you see something like that, you know what it is. Yeah, it's a team that has gone through some sort of strife and has overcome it and has gotten some sort of redemption. Whatever you saw with Isaiah Hicks, a guy who got sprayed by Chris Jenkins and then a year later hits a shot to win for North Carolina Mm. a year later in 2017. Mm. There's just something different that goes in your mind. And this Virginia team is playing with that sort of, I don't know what it is, but they have a belief. They have some sort of, they just refuse to lose. I, I don't. I don't know. How I else love to the say idea it. of Virginia of like a highlight, like a hype video being made about this Virginia season. If they go on and win the national championship, really, it doesn't even matter if they win at this point. This is no, going to be a doesn't. season. Virginia fans, you remember the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. This run's been 
obviously, you know, every every bit is great as what they expected. It, it sort of to me um, like in Miracle, right? If you beat the USSR, it yeah. doesn't matter if you beat Iceland, right? You know what I mean? Like, great, it's cool. Hold, to hold on, it. did they play Iceland after they beat USSR? Yes. Are, you, are you crossing your streams and getting D two confused with? No, 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 no. <laughs> they, they lost USSR and they had to play another game. They beat USSR. Yes, of course they beat. You just them. said they lost two. No, 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 they beat USSR, the USSR and then they played the next game. And it was Iceland to win the gold medal. All right. Yes, I'm just making sure. And is that why Iceland was picked in, in D two as the the villains? I don't know. We'll do some research. <laughs> well, <I'm looking> <laughs> Where's Kyle? We need some research. Kyle, Kyle, yeah. Uh, so, um, what I was gonna say, if, if you made a if you made a highlight video about this, Virginia, I love the idea of the hype video, the season that was, and like it all builds in this crescendo to the the Ty Jerome double dribble not being called, and you just have some hype music, and that's that's just the clip. Is it bounces off his foot, then he takes two more dribbles and gets fouled, and like Virginia fans are just going nuts, like no call, yes, <laughs> we did it, and then you show the Kyle guy getting fouled on a three pointer, and they really lose their shit, as though it's like you know the Chris Jenkins shot or, you know, something like or later shot. It's like equivalent to that is Ty Jerome not getting called for double dribble. That's the, that's the big moment. We got to figure out the ambiguity behind the double dribble. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's the next, that's the next thing. Cause in the, the NBA has their own rule. Right. That's the only like legitimate, like I was going through all the rules pages. The NCAA <laughs> rules pages. <laughs> they were updated in 2016. Dude, if the, so I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's quite up to date. If that, uh, the NBA ref Twitter account had any sense of humor whatsoever, they'd put out a statement right now. be like, that was definitely not double dribble. Here's why. <laughs> and they put like 15 vines of James yeah. Harden doing that every single night. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, the only thing that could have made this Virginia redemption story better that, that, uh, that would have made the God's plan thing really come into fruition was if Virginia beat Michigan state and the national championship, a team that started uh, this whole narrative of Virginia choking in the NCAA tournament was started by Michigan state. They, they lost to Michigan state in two tournaments in a row. Mm -hmm. Um, it was all lining 2014, up. 2015. And and now I guess that's what I want to talk about now. Let's move to the second game of the night. Uh congratulations to Virginia. Congratulations, congratulations to Kyle Guy, Virginia. Ty Jerome, all but those you are, guys. You are not getting the final chapter that I kind of wanted for the whole redemption arc uh, to put a bow on because you will not be playing Michigan State in the national championship game. Mr. March, as it turns out, Tate, is not Mr. April. That's a valuable lesson that everyone needs to remind themselves. Tom Izzo is definitely Mr. March. And then he gets to the final four and he passes the title of Mr. April onto someone else. Tom Izzo, two and six in the final four in the regional semifinal or in the in the final four, the semifinals of it all. Uh, also, here's my favorite quote. We saw the we saw the press conference together. Out beat up tonight. Out beat up. Good time. Good <laughs> good time. Big time. Good whatever. I'm I don't trying know to say whatever word. Duffy that will be, he, but he that's one of my, my brain, favorite yeah. quotes of the year. Out beat up tonight by Texas. Most Tech. guys, you know, out toughed has become the the popular phrase, but mm. Tom Izzo took that to the next level. Out beat up is great. Love I guess that. you can get beat up, but you can get out beat up as mm -hmm. well. That means it's a very physical game. Um, they said they didn't play very good offense. 32% uh, from the field. That is the worst all season. Um, and then after they cut it to one point game, outscored 9-0 down the stretch. Jared Culver, a guy, if you just talk to the casual fan going to this game, they're going to say Culver's going to be the guy that's going to be the difference. Yeah. Not quite the story tonight because... There's a man by the name of Mooney. I mean, if you talk to a casual, yeah, if you talk to a casual fan, let's be honest, they'd be like, "Who the hell's on Texas Tech?" <laughs> but uh, Texas Tech was nine for twenty-three from the three-point line. Michigan State was seven for twenty-four. Um, this was this was just 
I don't know, man. As you said, Jared Culver was not great. He he was the he was the star, obviously, of Texas Tech. He's the guy that 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 makes Texas Tech go. Cassius Winston played all forty minutes, scored sixteen points, but was also four for sixteen. Had four turnovers, four fouls. Like this was not a great Cassius Winston game. Not 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 that he should be embarrassed or anything. It just wasn't the best we've seen from Cassius Winston. Obviously, because Texas Tech has the best defense, not just this season, one of the best defenses we've seen in in recent college basketball history. Um, really, nobody played well for Michigan State. And like I said, like even when you're looking at an individual level, in terms of like offensive production, no one really played well for Texas Tech except Matt Mooney, who was making everything. And that was pretty much the story. It was Matt Mooney, a guy who goes to Air Force State, transfers from Air Force to South Dakota, then transfers to Texas Tech. Um, a guy who who very unheralded. Has has been incredible for Texas Tech. This is the story. Moretti and Mooney have have been the difference for Texas Tech. They've they were always great on defense all season. They they always had Jared Culver, but that was sort of the story of Texas Tech was that they they play great defense and then they give the ball to Jared Culver and hope he can bail them out on offense. And then Matt Mooney and Moretti stepped up in a big ways and have completely changed this offense to where you can have nights like this. I mean, the idea that this Texas Tech team, if you would have told me in December, first of all, that Texas Tech would be in the national championship, that sounds crazy. But if you would have told me in a Final Four game that Texas Tech would win the game by 10 points against the Big Ten champion and Jarrett Culver would have a very bad game, I mean, I would assume that that their defense held the other team to like 15 points or something because I don't understand how they could possibly score more than 40 if Jarrett Culver is not, not going off. And uh, that's the Matt Mooney show. It's the Matt Mooney show, and it's also one of those things where it's like Moretti has five points, Culver has ten points, but that even sounds better than what the reality of the situation well, three was. Three of them are the dagger that he hits at the end, you know, like absolutely, yeah, and and every single time that seven. Michigan State seemed to have a chance where it would be an open three, and there's Matt McQuaid, and he's going to have this moment where he's going to hit this three. And that get was the big rolling. one with they were down three, I think, with like two minutes, one forty-eight or something like that. McQuaid yeah. had the little shot. It was in the like fifty-two forty-nine or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. The the classic. This was one of those things where, uh, as a joke, I I think I said one point during the year that Texas Tech was the Virginia of the Big Twelve. Yeah, and this is what it means in the sense that they have a brand of basketball defensively, and I don't even think Virginia played at that level tonight. Texas Tech did that to Cassius Winston. He's two for eight from three. Mm-hmm. He's not able to find his shot. And, you know, we talked about the injuries. Nick Ward had some injuries during the year. Obviously, we lose Langford, who was, you know, a guy they thought they would have to rely on in that situation. But what did Tom Izzo say before the game? He said, oh, we could lose anyone on this team. We couldn't lose Cassius. Right. Cassius was everything for this team. Mm-hmm. And tonight, Cassius was doing what Cassius had to do as far as scoring, but – Texas Tech was doing everything can to make it disruptive. It wasn't yeah. an easy situation. It wasn't a cinch. Where Duke, we talk about Trey Jones guarding Cassius, where, yes, he's pesty, but also Cassius is like, I, I can see the pest, but I also have the vision of what right, I'm right. going to do in offense. And tonight, Texas Tech has their own plan, their own agenda, and regardless of whether Jared Culver is going to be able to make shots for this team, it doesn't matter because they're able to do what they do. And Chris Beard... Say what you want about all these coaches, man. Chris Beard has had such a great year. And to take a team by t- that is Texas Tech. I love Tech, Chris Beard, man. To the National Championship. I mean, it is next-level coaching. It is next-level buy-in. It is next-level belief in a program. And and I'll say this. I mean, you talk about the optics of a situation. This guy took the UNLV job. We remember that. Right. And when he left... There's a little, there's a little sour taste in your mouth that you know whatever the loyalty is, and granted, we know about players not being able to transfer and all that sort of stuff. But 
to him go to Texas Tech and to be able to take this team to the first Final Four and to be able to coach against a guy like Izzo has been in the moment so many times. We talked about we thought that Izzo could almost coast to the title game just yeah. off the veteran, the savvy, whatever it may be in that situation. Chris Beard outcoached him tonight because they did not deviate from the plan. Right. And granted, the plan does not stretch but so long because you're dealing with Henry, a guy who's in foul trouble, a guy who's a freshman. Mm-hmm. But regardless, Mooney, Texas Tech, and Chris Beard and this team, they're together, they play as one, and they believe in the greater goal of the team. They believe in whatever whatever sort of – I don't even know what they have going on because I, I talked about you know, the redemption of Virginia. Texas Tech has their own sort of agenda going on. But they believe it. They play by it. And here we are. We have a, we have something that, honestly, it, the greatest thing that's going on right now in college basketball is that there's an excitement in the new, whatever this is, the fact that Virginia Tech said we're talking about simulations. It does feel like something that worked out in a video game at this point. I can't believe it actually happened. Well, the thing, yeah, I mean, you do. We're going to have a new national championship. Exactly. Yes. It's going to happen for yes. the first time since 2006. Ralph I, Sampson. When did I say so this? Happy. When was the first time I brought this up? I can't remember. It, was, it felt like December that I said, dude, I don't know if you're paying attention to the AP poll, but there are yeah. a lot of teams that haven't won national championships that are at the top of this poll. Um I would really, really love to see. I think it started when Gonzaga won in Maui. When they yeah, beat Duke. and then they become the number one team, mm-hmm. and then like Tennessee's up there, Virginia's up there, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, man, how cool would it be to see a new national champion? And we're getting that. It, but it, but the weirdest thing to me is that it does feel weird for Virginia and Texas Tech to be playing for a title. The the fact that, that those are the teams that we're saying that's the that's the the logos when they throw it up, they're like Monday night. It just it all comes down to this, and they're showing Virginia and Texas and we, Tech. And we hear all the jokes about but, like the the ratings and what CBS yeah. would want, but at the same time, like both these teams are clearly the best teams mm-hmm. in this whole tournament. Have been. Um, I mean, Virginia, although Virginia hasn't really. What's, what's wild is like they haven't played anywhere close to their best. I was going to say Virginia has been to me. Virginia was the best team throughout the season, right? Yeah. Gonzaga and Virginia, right? The best, the best teams throughout the season, and they have sort of that 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 sort of carried over into the tournament. And Texas Tech has played the best basketball in the tournament. Texas Tech has definitely played better than Virginia throughout the tournament. Absolutely, and here we are in the final. I guess I'm just kind of I got my Virginia glasses on my 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 Homer glasses. The orange and, shades, yeah, the orange, the orange shades. vanilla Coke is in your face, <laughs> exactly. Um, and and I I guess like for me it was like Virginia did outplay Purdue in my opinion and Purdue Carson Edwards was just insane I felt like they at halftime they went into the halftime against Auburn made the adjustments started to get DeAndre Hunter involved just kind of stepped on Auburn's throat to start the second half they led like they basically took over the lead as soon as the second half started mm-hmm. didn't give it up until right at the end when Auburn went on that 14-0 run to take the lead back and it was like holy shit are they really gonna blow this um so I do think like just because they're caught in these close games and they're lucky to pull out these wins. I do think Virginia's playing decently well. It's not like they're lucking their way into winning because it's more of like they outplay a team, they almost fuck it up, and then they save it at the end, and that's kind of how they're advancing. But, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Texas Tech has been the best team in this tournament, and I guess that's the point I want to make is, like, it seems crazy, but then it doesn't because it's like these both these teams are the best, and they deserve to be here, and it doesn't sound that crazy to me. I mean, when you look at Texas Tech's roster, when you look at how they're playing, you look at how good that defense is, it's like, of course they're playing in a title game. Just because their jersey doesn't say Kansas or Duke like we're used to seeing doesn't mean it, it shouldn't be that Carolina crazy. Or Villanova, yeah. 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 It's one of those things. Right. Sorry, I had to bring that up. I mean, you know, I feel like Villanova fans would be mad if I didn't bring that up. Uh, I think the cool thing about this is that 
you know, every single, and you know this, every single AAU team that you ever played on in your life, every single, you know, rec league basketball team, church league basketball team, YMCA basketball team, wherever you played on, you'd always see the team that had defense wins championships. Right. And you would always look at that team and you say, well, obviously they suck. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? That was like the takeaway as a kid. You're like, well, they obviously can't do anything on right. offense. So that's their way to say, well, this is how we're going to win. This is the case. You know yeah. what I mean? Chris Beard built a team on defense. And obviously he has Jared Culver and he has a guy you can depend on in isolation situations to score. And the same with that, we have the pack line defense and Tony Bennett. And of course we have DeAndre Hunter and Ty Jerome in isolation situations to score. But it is a defensive-minded game. Mm-hmm. And that's why you look at it over under. That's 119. Right. And you look at the fact that a Tony is probably going to be handed out in this championship oh, game. We're going to get a lot of Tonys in this championship game. By the way, the, the defense wins championships AAU team is also the Duncan Warmups AAU team, which of was a, which is a telltale sign that that AAU team sucks. If your guys are or throwing down windmills and all that kind of stuff. I remember when I figured that out, like I, when I was in like seventh grade and we're playing teams that are dunking warmups, I was shitting my pants. Mm-hmm. And then by ninth grade, I was like, oh, these dudes suck. That's what that means. If you're dunking a warmups, well, it, it means you kinda, obviously suck. It kind of reminds me of the dunk contest, you know? It's like, they'll find the one guy from Prairie View A&M, yeah. you know, who has like a 45-inch vertical. It was like, can't even dribble. You know what yeah. I mean? He's just on the page. You're like, well, when do you see this guy done? You, you bring up a good point. Should we talk about the dunk concert? Or should we, do we have other thoughts on, on Texas Tech, Virginia? Should we Should um, we just give our final thoughts on the on final the- thoughts? Wrap it all up. Wrap up the, the games we saw tonight, what we're going to see Monday. Let's just put a bow on this, and then we can talk about what we really want to talk about, which is ourselves. Number one for me, Virginia. I don't know what's going on there, but there's some sort of higher power behind these God's guys. God's plan, and, baby. I'm exactly. telling you what's going on. So God's plan, Virginia. Number God two, himself, Drake, <laughs> is making this happen. He said it's going to happen. Number two, Auburn, an unbelievable run. Again, I, I don't want to discredit the fact that Auburn beat a Kansas team, a North Carolina team, and obviously Schumann goes down that game. And then to beat Kentucky. Can I just say, people? I saw people trying to discredit the Blue Blood because that became like sort of a, a talking point that mm-hmm. Auburn beat Kansas, Carolina, and Kentucky. And I saw people try to discredit some people try to discredit that Kansas Alabama wasn't fans. Yeah, Kansas wasn't the Kansas that we know and love this year. They kind of sucked. Uh, Kentucky game was kind of close. Kentucky it went to overtime. Maybe Kentucky deserved. We can it. all pull Whatever. caveats, but dude, they beat the shit out of Kansas. Mm-hmm. They beat the shit out, out of, of Carolina. North Carolina. Absolutely. And Kentucky was a team that they lost to already, and they took care of business against them. Say what you want, like. That was an impressive stretch. I don't care. And, and and whatever happened in the first round against New Mexico State, like that was a hell of a run from Auburn. They deserved to be there. It did not feel like a fluke at any point in time. That's why I said coming into this thing, like I was honest. I've, I've been honest about how I feel about Bruce Pearl. I'm not just saying this to say nice things. Like I could have just gone scorched earth on the whole program. That's why I said going into the Final Four, I genuinely did believe that Auburn could win the national championship, and I wouldn't have been surprised. They They were very much – legit and belonged here and um they kind of proved it tonight absolutely and the the most unfortunate part of the auburn season in general is that Chuma went down in that carolina game mm. but the fact that they were able to weather that storm right win that game go play kentucky a team that knows them so well and still beat them and get to the final four for the first time in program history that's something to say number three for me texas tech chris beard everything they're able to do great they can roll on they played great defense they made it happen and number four, Tom Izzo, Michigan State, they overachieved all season, mm. right? This is a team that, yes, they had Tillman. Yes, they had Goins. Yes, they had the inside guys. He thought they could beat them up on the inside. But they were also, it was a revolving door of guys we rely on throughout mm. the year. So Tom Izzo makes it, makes Mr. March happen again. Feels like 2015. So those it's, are my four thoughts. And now we get to the title game. And I think Texas yeah. Tech, Virginia, Virginia's a one-and-a-half point favorite. Probably going to go up probably to two, two-and-a-half at yeah. this point. 
I believe in the Virginia Destiny story, but I also know that Texas Tech is the better team. Exactly. Right Texas Tech has played better the entire tournament. So I think that makes for a beautiful day on Monday night. And we're going to be in the building. I'm glad that you uh, brought up the Izzo thing because I think it's easy to pile on Izzo. You brought up his record and, and these national Two semifinals. Two and six, but and, that's an unfair. But that that is the past. Like for me, the fact that Mich- we should not be ripping this, this version of Izzo, this version of Michigan State, we should not be ripping them for losing. First of all, they lost to the best team in the tournament, as we've said. Like look what Texas Tech has done to every team they faced already. Um, but more to the point, like, as you said, Michigan State overachieved all season. The fact that they were even here is kind of maybe incredible is too strong of a word, but uh, we, we've made the same point ad nauseum on this podcast that they just don't have they don't have the horses in terms of NBA talent and 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 all that. It's the star power. Cassius is very 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 good, but he's not. No one no one's falling over themselves to take him in the top ten of the NBA draft. So yeah, you're talking about Appling and Lucas, yeah. some of these guys we've seen. I mean, in the past Tom Izzo. Tom yes. Izzo, as I said on the whatever pilot like a week ago. Tom Izzo has his his whole mo is physicality and toughness and defense and all that kind of stuff. And he took his a team with his best player, who's a point guard, who historically does not play the greatest defense. Historically, is not like a you wouldn't necessarily a hard nosed guy. Mm-hmm. Um, has more of a finesse style of play. Took him to the Final Four, won the Big Ten, won the Big Ten tournament, beat Michigan three times. This was a hell of a season for Michigan State. They should not be in any way, shape, or form sad about how it all turned out. Um, so yeah, we should so say it. it. Tom Izzo, Mr. March. Mr. You're still Mr. March, Tom. Uh, we'll work on Mr. April, maybe next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the one final point I have is, the one final point I'll say is this. I think whoever wins the national championship on Monday, beyond winning a trophy, beyond getting Jim Nance's tie, mm-hmm. beyond all that, I think they should get the right to say no to UCLA first. I think <laughs> that's how this should work. And then I think whoever gets second place, Whichever coach gets second should then get a say no to UCLA as well. So if you have a fax machine, uh, <laughs> please send it to either Lubbock, Texas or Charlottesville, dude, Virginia. I, and they can send it in. And it would just be instead of I'm back from Jordan, it'll be just no period. Dude, I'm not even joking when I say this. I'm I'm 100% serious that if I'm UCLA, I put out a statement today. Today being Sunday. We're recording mm-hmm. this on Saturday, but everyone's listening on Sunday. I put out a statement Sunday morning. And I say, we are making an offer to whoever wins this title game on Monday. Mm-hmm. We are going, we, we have all, or you don't even have to put out a statement. Just leak it to, to Goodman or Rothstein or any of these scoops, guys. Just say, like, we have all of our intent. We are, fo- we are laser focused on whoever wins this national championship. And everyone's going to laugh at you. But guess what? Everyone's already laughing at you. This UCLA coach and church. <laughs> the wheels have fallen off. In a word, a joke. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we, I, I we can kind of talk about it, but I feel like it's only going to get worse from here. Um, so maybe we save that for after the season. But we call uh, it the off season. Yeah, yeah I, we'll I save that for the off season. Especially being in LA, we can do our best. I, I just want to give a, a wink and a nod to the UCLA coaching <laughs> search, which is turning the Tennessee football coaching search into you know just a slam dunk maneuver. I mean, how clo- how far, how much longer until UCLA calls Greg Schiano? That's the question. <laughs> He's available. <laughs> he hasn't said no. Yeah, he left the Patriots, and he said. I'm down. Um, I can't. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens. I hope that they go for a young guy because, to my in my mind, as I've said on this podcast, I think the UCLA job is now a chance for somebody to use it as a way to step into a a bigger money job, mm-hmm. or to say, in, in the same way that Brad did at one point with Butler, or you know, some of these guys that have like even Greg Marshall, which I state and say. This is my program. I'm going to stay here. This is what I'm going to do. So you hire a younger guy. He buys in, makes it happen, believes in the UCLA product program, wants to live in Los Angeles. Mm. Not a bad job in Westwood. Mm. Enjoy it. Mm. Maybe, maybe, 
Mm, I was going to say, do, do we know a guy who's kind of young and trying to get into coaching? Yeah, and... Robbie Hummel. <laughs> Greg um, Oden. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, the um, slam dunk contest that we judged because people want to know this story. This is the thing that we've been talking about the most with people uh, around Minnesota. Granted, the games, the final four games have not been played yet, so I imagine tomorrow we'll talk probably more about these games. But everyone wants to know what the hell happened. Um, we were slam dunk contest judges. Mm. This happened. We were officially introduced as judges, but then we officially were not judges. Um, how, how do we tell this story, Tate? The way that we tell the story is that we were invited by Great Clips, which is a great thing, uh, to be the fifth judges, even though we are, two of, us. <laughs> we are two of us. We are not a, despite what most people may think, this is not osmosis. This is not a symbiotic relationship. We are not one person, one item. Uh, but we were asked to be the fifth judge is together. Tate, like, like uh, we're one person called Tate and Titus. And yeah, it's spelled like T-A-T-N. <laughs> It's Tate and Titus. Like, it's just one guy. <laughs> it's just one word. Um, so we were asked to do that. And so we show up to the Target Center in Minneapolis, and we're wearing tuxedos. So that goes red flag number one. So people are already alarmed to us. Again, this is an ESPN production. We do not work for ESPN. We do we not. We are here working for a company. I did once upon a time, but I do not anymore. Do not now. We're working for another company. So we're here for that company who is running production for this dunk contest, but not necessarily doing it. So... That, that's where you start. We're in tuxedos. We're basically considering ourselves the Ball Brothers, the Blues Brothers. Can we, say, can we say that our original plan was to dress like the Run DMC and, and wear Adidas yes. jumpsuits, ju- jumpsuits and come out with Adidas duffel bags mm-hmm. when we were introduced and that got nixed? Word got out that that was what our plan was. We were going to wear fat gold chains and the Kangol hats and um, – and yeah. thank God we didn't do thank that God because we, did uh, do that. we did not know who the other four judges would be with us. The other four, George, four judges next to us happened to be Derrick Rose, uh, the youngest MVP in NBA history, Taj Gibson, one of the greatest, toughest defenders in NBA uh, playoff history. Um, we got Robert Covington, a guy who Philadelphia fans love and adore. He was so upset he got traded. Uh, and then, of course, Dalvin Cook, who is now my best friend. So, <laughs> so those are the other four judges. And we show up in our tuxedos. Uh, an ESPN executive, before I walked down there, said, uh, and a friend of mine said, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> that was the last thing that I was told. As so, someone who's older than me, my brother's age, um, and said, don't do anything stupid. We were walking down to our chairs who were, uh, what is it, two or three feet away from the other judges. <laughs> um, unbeknownst to us, but also we were we knew what we were going to do, which is uh, we knew intros were coming. Right. And we knew what we had to do. We and knew what we, what we had, had to do, Mark Titus. Uh, we had to hold up. I held up a six. You held up a nine. We made a little wink at the camera. 69. Do you get it, guys? We That's had no microphones. We had no microphones. Way. We, knew we that. were supposed to have microphones. They were taken away from us. So we said, what can we do to show our you, character and show our comedy yeah. without words? In the easiest way is always a 69 joke. Um, what would Charlie Chaplin do? Right, exactly. Uh, so you, you glossed over the one point that they set up the chairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly unbelievable. <laughs> It's, they had, it's, it's, they had, it's honestly unbelievable. They had the four director's chairs set out for the four real judges. And there was like this <laughs> massive gap. <laughs> there was this massive gap. And our two chairs were off to the side. <laughs> and we sit down. And Dalvin Cook, God love him. First of all, we, we were trying to, you, you say to me, which chair do you want to sit in? I said, you got to sit closest to Dalvin Cook because you were wearing your off-whites. And all the athletes love your sneakers. So uh, that was the plan. You sit closest to Dalvin Cook. 
You'll make friends with him. I'll just kind of lean over every so often. So you sit down, and right after I say that to you, you sit down closest to him, and the very first thing he says is, bro, and just points at your mm-hmm. off-white. He probably didn't say bro because he's not me. Um, he said bro. Bro, there you go. <laughs> That's the difference. Uh, there's the difference. Uh, and he points at your sneakers. From there, you start laughing. You got the rapport going. And then he he, he he acknowledges that there's this massive gap between the judges. He kind of nudges us over. The ball gets rolling. We become Dalvin Cook's best friend. They introduce us. Um, we, we think at that point we're in because we we move our chairs over. We're like, yes, we're going to be real Somehow judges. Somehow someone in the truck was like, this is weird. Because I look at Dalvin Cook and I said, this is as big as the A gap. He is now like, this man knows football. I respect this young man. Mm-hmm. What is going on here? <laughs> and a random producer comes and says, just, yeah, just, scoot, just over. scoot over. Even you, you scrubs. And then know, they do the like, introductions. They're panning through the camera. The, 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 hilarious, by the way, that they're going through all these guys who are Minnesota professionals. The place is packed, by the way. We're in the Target Center. The place is it's absolutely packed. roaring. They're like, Derek Rose. The Bulls like people are going crazy, losing their minds, and they go next. Robert Covington. <laughs> next. next one. Fog Gibson. Fog like, is coming up, and it's fire just like shooting up. <laughs> Dalvin Cook like showing highlight packages from Florida State, like scoring touchdowns, winning national championships. And then <laughs> it's these two dweebs in tuxedos. The music turns off. The lights come up. It's like introduce. It's like when they introduce the visiting team. They're like. One shiny podcast team for Richard Mark Titus. <laughs> Just get it over with. And we're holding up to 69. And the whole crowd is like, who the fuck are these guys? But then we're holding up to 69. I'm I'm cheesing and pumping my fist yes. and just being corny as hell. And then as we find out via Twitter, they never once banned us again. And that was all we got. And then the scores throughout the entire dunk contest, perfect scores are getting 40s. There's six judges. <laughs> Dalvin Cook is literally asking me, what I'm giving these certain dunks, like Veal, the guy that does the big spring up dunk, that was like that was probably the biggest hit of the night. He's like, he, he's like after that, he's like, man, we got to really figure out these scores. And then I looked up, I'm like, I think they're out of forty. There's six of us, and at least out of fifty. Because it'd be one thing if it was like if it was out of fifty, because we were told originally right. that we would have the fans vote, which would be out of fifty possibly. Yeah, the idea, the idea was that you, me. And in America, in America at large, we were yes. all going to come together and be one judge. Yes. And then the, the score would be out of 50. They, they <laughs> as soon as they saw the six and the nine, they said to hell with those guys. They're dead to us. Get them the fuck out of here. And they just abandoned ship on that whole plan. And, <laughs> and we were just there, but we were acting like we were on camera at all times. So like the, 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 the best dunks happened and we're jumping out of our chairs, holding up tens. And like, I, I was the one I was holding up my card, card more than anyone. I was like making a show of it. I was never on TV, but like in the arena, I was the guy. Um, but we were ultimately vindicated as we were leaving the arena. I had this, this mother and daughter yes. come up to us and they go, are you the 69 guys? <laughs> yes. And I was like, yes, ma'am. I'm proud to no say. No idea what we do. No idea why we're there. We uh, were just the guys that held up 69 exactly. and they, they, they were huge fans of ours and that was it. And, uh, we were off. It was on I, I, I don't use this word lightly. Um, it was one of the most surreal experiences of my life to be sitting there on a slam dunk. Like, cause the angle, like we had the angle when you're watching all these dunk contest highlights, um, and you see the camera angle, I was living it. I was mm-hmm. right there watching all the, these, these dunks winding up. And then the judges, I, it, it was just like, I, I, I have these moments every so often in my life where I just pause and I say, 
how the fuck did I get here? Like, what is mm-hmm. my life that mm-hmm. Derek Rose is sitting right over there and we're both holding and I'm in a tuxedo and I'm holding up numbers, but they're not really panning. Like the camera would pan through the judges. And that was the funniest part too, is like the cameraman standing three feet away from us mm-hmm. and we're watching him going through the judges. Like he would do this every so often with these scores and he's going through the judges and every time you get to Dalvin Cook, he'd pull up real fast <laughs> when one would pan to us. How about, how about the guy that was getting the scores? So, so, <laughs> I asked Dalvin. So the other four judges, the honorable four judges, are not throwing up their scores, right? They're not. They're not doing the classic dunk contest. Here's my score. Right. Let me throw it up to the world. They are just telling this guy behind them. I was the only guy holding up. I was holding mine up. Yeah, yeah. You were the only. You were one of one. And so I'm not holding up because like I gotta be friends. I gotta be best friends with Dalvin now. If Dalvin's doing this, I gotta do this. So I'm not throwing my score up either. But there's a guy behind them asking their scores, and he go, "Okay, Derek." Okay. Okay. Thanks, Robin. Okay. Thanks, Next Tosh. And yeah. then he would act like the, 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 we never existed. And it was the never best part of the whole us. thing because Dav would look at me every single time like, why is this guy not asking you guys? I'm trying to play it cool as if I already gave him my score. I'm like, all right. I will say, dude, I became the biggest Dalvin Cook fan in the world yes. because he, he, uh, as everyone else around us was like, you guys don't even exist. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, you guys are awesome, and yes. I want you to exist, and how can I help you exist in this? Uh, to quote Dalvin Cook, y'all some fools. Y'all some fools. <laughs> he did say that. <laughs> he was putting us on his Instagram. Like, he was yes. including us in everything. Um, although, speaking of Instagram, it was hilarious how, like, all these official pictures of the judges. <laughs> the four judges. <laughs> Dude. So, first of all, the best part is, like, we took pictures after the contest, and all six of us got together, and we took a picture. I put it on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's It's, like just an absurd picture that we're all standing there. It's you hilarious. and I are in these tuxedos. Um, but then after that, they they did a bunch of pictures with just the four of them. Mm-hmm. And we were cool. Cause like we were cool with anything. We're like the fact that we're even here is absurd. Uh, so we're not really going to argue not being in these pictures, but when like these, like the Timberwolves would tweet something, the, the Vikings would tweet said college slam. Like when they're putting these pictures out, they didn't even use the pictures where it was just those four. They used the ones where it was all six of us and they very clearly cropped it <laughs> off. And you could see part of your face in the pictures. <laughs> Dude, it could not have gone any better than that I anticipated. I want to say that the other note, the one one last note I have on this is that um, the, some people in the arena and and if you caught me on TV holding up my scores every so often, a big reason, a big push for us to become judges was that we were going to be honest, we were going to be tough but yes. fair, we were going to give out threes and fours if we had to. Um, here's what happened there. If you if you're watching and you saw us giving out. Sixes and nines and eights, and you're disappointed. Mm -hmm. I thought you guys said, wow, you guys caved. You're you're easily bought. They must have told you not to do that. What happened was the cards they gave us only went down to eight. No, it's eight, nine, and ten. It's eight, nine, ten. That's all there is. That's all it is. So it's technically not even a six. No, it's not even seven. (laughs) It's eight, nine, ten. That's literally all there was. So I was giving, I I literally gave out a zero. The one guy Mm -hmm. missed every dunk. I held up a zero. Um, I was holding up ones every, like one guy, Khalil Iverson, I think I gave him a one because he did like a very basic dunk that I could have done. So I held up a one. Um, I was doing some sixes, but that was the, that was the most creative we can get. Which is the nine flipped upside down. Yeah, I did the nine upside down. Um, that was the most creative we could get. So I do apologize. I'm, I'm taking the Patino approach. I mm-hmm. apologize that I did not give the threes or fours, but it was not my fault. No, it's partial responsibility. Yeah. yeah. I wish I had brought my own cards. We just didn't know. We didn't know that it was that set up yeah. and that fixed. But now, honestly, I've learned a lesson where once you're inside it, you realize, you know, you may point out to Dominique Wilkins, you're like, Dominique, look at this dunk that you did in 1988. Right. There's no way that you're giving this an eight or a nine. Right. He had no choice. He had no choice. 
It's either give a one or a zero. I do an take eight, back a nine or a ten. I take back all the criticism I had yes. of all these judges. Now mm-hmm. that I've lived it, uh, I've walked a mile in their shoes. I I see the error in my ways, and I want to apologize. I want to formally apologize. Uh, we're stuck. There's, but that speaks to the larger problem. This goes all the way to the top, Tate. This mm-hmm. is not about the judges. This is about the people above the judges that are giving out the cards to the judges. This is a this is a phenomenon across this country that we need to fix. Um, unfortunately, I don't think you and I are going to be the ones to fix it. I don't think we're ever invited back to any tongue contest. Ever I know did. one guy who can fix it. <laughs> Who's that? Michael Avenatti. Yes. Yes. That is guy. the only man that can fix anything <laughs> because Michael Avenatti, I've never been in an event. We've been in the three on three thing. So we got all these games that are going on. We're watching all these teams and it's been awesome. I mean, the ACC has been great. The SEC has been great. The big 10 has been amazing. We, we love the Ethan colonial Hatt, team. Jordan, Matthew, Jordan Murphy. We got Devonte Kaycock. One of the greatest uh, mm-hmm. of the teed up days, if you remember those days, uh, he's back and making it happen for us. Um, but Michael Avenatti has has drawn, you know, the interest of everyone in the college basketball circles because he is a man who, like you said, he wants it to go all the way to the top. He released the tapes. He's ready to release the tapes. He wants um, to put it out to the world on Twitter. I've not seen the tapes. I've not read the tapes. Uh, we were busy all day. I barely read obviously. the tweets. Yeah, I barely but had I time to read the tweets. That I've had my mom. I will get this morning to an Avenatti tweet from my mother that she sent me. And I have random people, cousins, family members, people all over the globe that are just like, have you seen the Avenatti tweets? A late push for for journalism of the year, Duffy, from mm. Avenatti. Uh, this is this is very interesting. We the are Yahoo boys are upset. We are monitoring the situation to be sure. Um, but yeah, we've been too busy to kind of digest it all. But yes, I, I, I like what I'm seeing out of this guy. Is this, there this any is way that this could actually take away from Monday night? Because obviously... There is no Duke in this game. I mean, it's one thing if Zion's playing in Monday night and these things are coming out to the world and people are talking about the fact that I Nike mean, and Duke honestly, are Honestly, the only way, I'm not even making a joke. Like, I think the only way that that this would really take away for me um, is if there's like a wiretap. Like, a, we actually legit, the mm-hmm. media gets their hands on and they play a wiretap of K saying something. So, uh, like, like Schleybach. Yes. Like, Schleybach gets his hands on it, um, mm-hmm. releases the tapes. And we have a t- we have the uh, the 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 Robert Durst moment from K where he's like, yeah, I paid yes. him, yes, yes, I d- yes, I did. <laughs> yes. yes, of course. Um, yes, of course. <laughs> if we get that and they're playing it on Sports Center on Monday morning, I think uh, then I'll know I'm in a simulation. <laughs> yeah, there you that, go. That's what I'll know for sure. Oh my God, what an experience, man! I love it so much. I I love the jobs we have, it, and I, I I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Maybe it's because it's really late and I haven't got enough sleep the last few days. Maybe it's because I'm under the influence of multiple substances <laughs> right now. I don't really know, but I will say this: uh, if it wasn't for the friends of the program listening to this podcast, I would not have this job that I have, mm-hmm. and it's the most absurd fucking job of all time that we are wearing tuxedos in Minneapolis for like basically a week straight. Mm-hmm. We're throwing cash in the air. We're, we're giving fat gold chains. We're making 69 jokes on national television next to Minnesota sports legends <laughs> yeah. dunk contests. Next to I actual mean, professional athletes. Right. Yes. Like I'm going to wake up and, and to, to borrow when I'm sleeping in May with John Rostein, not with mm. John Rostein. We're sleeping. Oh yes. With him. Well, yes. I might be sleeping with him. The mm. way this friendship's working, dude, we're, we're on the fast track to, to sleeping together in May. Um, I'm going to have a dream and I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be like, what the hell happened at the final four? And, uh, I, I genuinely mean it from the bottom of my heart. I think I can't thank you guys enough because, um, I, 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 I can't believe that this is my life and to, to, to bring it full circle, Tate, donate to the club trillion foundation. Cause I don't want to be the only one that does it. You, you're doing it with me, but I want to help other walk-ons, uh, achieve their dreams because, um, I'll, I'll be honest, wearing a tuxedo and judging a dunk contest was always my dream as a kid. So it's absolutely a dream. <laughs> and we should say, I mean, 
the amount of people that have come up to us in Minneapolis, and I want to point this out. I've said some things about Minnesota that I'm not proud of. And granted, I edited that episode, so I, you know, I had full control. I had editorial mm-hmm. control of what I was putting out to the world. I've had a great time in Minnesota. I've had a beautiful time in Minnesota. Um, the amount of people that have come up and been so nice to us and have been so welcoming. And, you know, you talked about the people that came up and laughed at, you know, the 69 joke that we made, the mom and the daughter. Those dude, are the we moments. Forgot about the, we forgot about the, 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 the black dude, the, the old black dude that comes up to us. He's losing his mind, and he's like, He's like, like y'all wild, man. Y'all are real wild. <laughs> he goes, who He's are like, you I don't guys? know who you are. He goes, he goes, who are you guys? Real. He took a picture with us. Dude, no I said, idea. He goes, who are you guys? And I said, we play for the Twins. He goes, nah. <laughs> We're like the and wild. I, I said, we play hockey for the wild. He goes, hell nah. <laughs> and then uh, he goes, I don't know who the fuck you are, but we're getting a picture. <laughs> he took a picture of us. So uh, hopefully that guy's listening right now. And I just want to shout, it, shout you out. And if you're not listening, um, I don't know, maybe one day you'll find us. And I, I, I imagine like sometime in August, we're going to get a tweet from this guy. Found oh man it's been it's been a ton of fun um we we are here through the tournament we're going to the game on monday night we're mm-hmm. going to do a podcast after the game on monday night uh if virginia wins not to take anything away from texas tech we just don't have connects into the texas tech locker room but mm-hmm. we we do have a way into the virginia locker room potentially so if virginia wins again not making any promises but i'm gonna do all i can to just make the podcast us taking our microphones to wherever the fucking party's at Jerome's with, with, in the house with Ty Ballgame and Kyle Guy and and Tony, who's probably just going to go to bed after they win. He's just probably going to tell you he's going to have like a warm glass of milk and tuck himself in, and like, turn over and kiss his wife and say, "We did it, honey. <laughs> yeah, we did it." Um, but yeah, whatever happens, uh, if Texas Tech wins, I've, I've been riding the Virginia bandwagon this whole time. It'd be cool to see them do it. But honestly, Texas Tech deserves it. We love everything that that, that program's doing. We love what Chris Beard's doing. We love all those guys. So uh, for me, it's, it's a can't-lose situation. And the Big Ten, Tate, to, to put a bow on it, Michigan State lost. The Big Ten drought continues. And in a weird way, I think that's a good thing. It's comforting. It's like having... I don't know. It's like just having some sort of itch that I have to scratch. And if I don't have that itch to scratch, then then who am I as a man? So that itch continues. I can next year I can I can bitch about it how the Big Ten has now gone twenty years without winning a title. I will say this as a man who's on the other side of the Chicago Cubs curse. Yes. And as a man who uh lived through the Matt Doherty days, yeah. Once you get on the other side of the itch, it's never as fun. It's never as yeah, fun yeah, to be the go. one that's the target. I will it's say, fun to uh, be the one that targets something else. It's still kind of fun right now, but uh, if the Pac-12 wins one before the Big, big Ten, it's not going <laughs> to be fun at all. All the fun is definitely going to stop. So, uh, But anyway, that's it. Uh, so sorry to Auburn fans to see uh, your season in that way. I, I really do genuinely feel bad for you. I feel bad that Bruce Pearl uh, was was cheated out of a win. That just That's really tough to see. We we really hate that on this program. Uh, no, in all seriousness, man, I... I, I, I I want to reiterate just because Auburn season's over. Uh, love the players, love the program, love and how the great team, of a run everything. it was just in general. I mean, not the biggest fan of your head coach, but that's all right. Your run was awesome. We enjoyed it every step of the way. And same to Michigan State. We lo- we loved watching. I loved how wrong I was about this Michigan State team mm-hmm. throughout the year, and just kind of watching them change my mind in real time was kind of cool to witness. Where I was like, <laughs> I went from Cassius Winston cannot be your best player and you do anything of value to like by the end of the season I was like Cassius Winston might be the best player in the country and that was a fun ride to go on um but the ride is not over Tate we still have Monday night we will be back Monday night anything else before we go no we will be um, we will be back Monday night and we should also say three on three Sunday ESPN and if you thought we were too much on Thursday night the Doug contest yeah wait till you see us on ESPN and tuxedos uh we got a bunch of good teams Pac-12 SEC ACC Big Ten 
I mean, Colonial. I mean, there, there's yeah. so many different players. There's so many scouts there. There's so many coaches there. If you, if Tim you, Miles, we buried the lead. Tim Miles yes. has become also our best friend. So Tim Miles is our best friend. We have a podcast Monday night, and it's Tim Miles, Ty Jerome, <laughs> Dalvin <laughs> Cook, Dalvin, there Taj you go. Gibson, Derek Rose. Just know that we have sold out, and we're going hot. Right? Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, yeah. If you're if you're listening to this before, um, and you're not in Minnesota. Uh, check us out on what are we on ESPN two? I think like I think it's on ESPN two, two or two three. I don't know. Yep. Use use Twitter, Google, whatever. You'll figure <laughs> it out. Uh, we'll be we'll be on TV in tuxedos, making asses out of ourselves again. Uh, if you are in Minnesota, come by. Come to the Mall of America. It's free to get in. We yep. we'd love to meet you. We'd love to see you. It's 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 actually We've good talked basketball. To a lot of people, man. It's a ton of fun. This event is blowing up. We're very excited to have gotten in on the ground floor. So come check that out. And if you can't make that. By all means, come to Sneaky Pete's 9 p.m. on Sunday night. Uh, we will find out together the degree. It's somewhere on the spectrum of strip club. We're not really sure where, and we will all find out together 9 p.m. Sunday night. It's definitely a club. We just <laughs> don't know how much they strip. So we will see you guys uh, at some stage, whether it's tomorrow at the three-on-three, -three, whether it's at Sneaky Pete's, or whether it's just you're hearing from us Monday night after a national champion has been crowned. There will be a new national champion, folks. In the words Could of Desmond, see you in another life, brother.